Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Soon our community will be experiencing what I am now calling the great seminary exodus of 2012. <laughs> Asher leaves for Luther Seminary in St. Paul in just a couple weeks. Heather leaves for Union Seminary in New York in August. Magum leaves for University of Chicago's Divinity School in August, and Amy Hansen leaves for Luther in St. Paul sometime this winter. This week I got an email from my friend, Pastor Jody Hogue, who is pastor of the Humble Walk Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. They're actually a mission partner of ours. We give them money every year. They're a little newer than us. So uh, a lot of congregations, uh, older congregations support this one, and we never want to ask them to do something we're not doing. So we actually send support to Humble Walk. They made that amazing thurible we have at the Blessing of the Bicycles that's made out of uh, parts from a vintage Schwinn. Um, anyway, so Jody Hogue of the Humble Walk Church sent me an email. Amy Hansen had emailed her this week asking that if when she's at Luther, she could do her field ed placement at Humble Walk. So afterward, when Jody emailed me, she said, oh my gosh, thanks for sending Amy our way. I love her already. Uh, now, Jody loves Amy Hansen already, but not because of Amy Hansen's winning personality <laughs> or position or portfolio. Jody Hogue does not love Amy Hansen because Jody's so nice, which she is, or because Jody has a big heart, which she does. Uh, Pastor Jody loves Amy Hansen already because we love Amy Hansen. Based on the fact that Amy Hansen is our friend, she will have an honored place at Humble Walk in St. Paul, Minnesota, when she goes there. In our gospel text from today, Jesus says to abide in his love and to love one another, and then he calls his disciples friends. But the Bible tells us that he had other friends too. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus of Bethany were Jesus' friends. He like totally hung out at their house all the time. <laughs> they might have stocked his favorite beer in the fridge, I don't know. And when Lazarus died, Jesus stood at the tomb of his dead friend and wept. These were Jesus' friends. And since at our big fat church meeting that we're having after liturgy today, we're going to be talking about things like sacred hospitality, I started to wonder what kind of hospitality three strangers who came to our church might receive if we found out that those three strangers were actually Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, if we knew that the people entering the doors of this, our little house for all sinners and saints, were actually Jesus' friends, they were those who Jesus loved, then despite what we thought of their personalities, despite how we felt about them or their status in society or their politics, despite any of this, they would automatically have an honored place here at our church. We would as Jody does with Amy, already love them based on how we, not based on how we felt about them, but we would love them with the love Jesus speaks of in our gospel text for today, which is agape love. That's a Greek word. You know, it's like a, that thing where they say Eskimos have like a million words for snow. Like we have like one word for love, but Greeks had a lot, right? So the congregation I grew up in called the meals they shared together after church agape meals. So for a long time, I just thought agape meant potluck. <laughs> but it ends up that agape means love, and it's like a really particular kind of love. The Hallmark Company doesn't make greeting cards about agape love. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston doesn't star in romantic comedies based on agape love between two people. 
And when you say, oh my gosh, I love this pizza, that too is not agape love. <laughs> agape love does not come actually from us. But it is the love that is shared between us. Agape love is only possible actually through the indwelling of God's spirit. You can't actually muster it up for yourself. Because on our own, we love imperfectly. We love awkwardly and with selfish motives and begrudging hearts. Our own love can be show-offy or miserly or only given when we feel like it. But the love of God for the children of God is no such thing. And God desires God's children to love one another too much for God to leave it to what's in our own hearts. See, Agape love isn't how we love our friends. Agape love is how we love God's friends. How we show care and hospitality towards others based solely on their belovedness to God. So this week, this week when tragically Leslie, her mom died, when we sent prayers and Facebook messages and a lot of food to our new sister in Christ, we didn't do it because we like Leslie. We actually hardly know her. <laughs> we didn't do it actually because we're good people. Uh, we did it because of who Leslie is to the God who claimed her and named her as God's own in her baptism. Because in the end, what we're talking about here isn't sentiment. It's actually identity. We're talking about the dignity and honor afforded all those whom Jesus calls friends, those whom Jesus loves. And for most of my life, I thought that there was this one guy who Jesus loved the best because, see, in the Gospel of John, one guy was always called the disciple whom Jesus loved. And people have usually assumed that the writer was referring to himself. Like he's saying, I, the one whom Jesus loved, was there with all the other disciples who Jesus was just kind of so-so about. And I was always kind of embarrassed for John, like he was being sort of weird and braggy. But it's his gospel, what am I going to do? But this week at morning prayer, Asher suggested that the title, the beloved disciple, or the one whom Jesus loved, was not a term reserved for one guy a couple thousand years ago. Maybe John wasn't using it as an exclusive title for himself. I think John abided in the love of Christ so completely that his primary identity became the disciple whom Jesus loved. But not in comparison to the other disciples whom Jesus loved not quite as much. If you go and read John's gospel and the letters that are attributed to him, there's just a whole lot of love, love, love in there. John abided in Jesus' love to such an extent that all his other identities just kind of faded away. So in our text for today, when Jesus says, abide in his love and to love one another and then calls us friend, perhaps this is actually what he means. To abide in the love of Christ is to have one's primary identity become the disciple whom Jesus loves. And I think Jesus says for us to abide in his love like that so that we can agape love one another. It's the only way I think it's actually possible. Otherwise, I will only love people I like and I'll reject others' love of me when I don't feel worthy of it and that's just not what God had in mind for me. And only when we see ourselves 
and we see others as Jesus' friends, is it possible to love with the heart of God, agape love? Meaning that when we abide in the word of God, when we abide in the sacrament of the Eucharist, when we abide in the waters of our baptism, when we abide in the forgiveness of sins, when we abide in all these things, we abide in the truth of who we are and who God is. Then actually what happens at that point is that all other competing claims about who we are simply melt away. You are no longer male or female, Jew or Greek, gay or straight, urban or suburban, Republican or Democrat, rich or poor. You are simply the one whom Jesus loves. You are simply the beloved disciple. You are the one whom Jesus is called friend. And this unassailable identity that you have as the one whom Jesus loves is the basis by which you too are afforded the honor of being loved by others as Jesus' friend. For you are who Christ chose and named as such. And nothing else actually gets to tell you who you are. Amen. Amen.